welcome to the Scarecrow Conversations. This is our first Zoom recording. I'm actually so proud of you. are literally my first Zoom guest. Anyway, yeah, today, um, today I'm actually live uh, with a new favorite author, uh, Lynn Delwa. And her, she's the author of the book called The Black Girl's Guide to Corporate South Africa. So you're an actual EXCO member. Just in case. I, I feature every now and again, yes. Um, so I think before we get into the details, reading the book was that I found your story very um, relatable. Even the way you write it is as if I can actually hear you speaking. And I was like, in terms of what you had gone through, your first, your first experience in a job job. Mm. Even though, by the way, I do view internship as a job job. It's a job job. You are there. You're there. You have to be there early in the morning. So it is a job. So um, what, were, what actually inspired you to write the book? That's a great question, uh, Sine. And there's a number of reasons, right? And I'll start with this one. When I was doing my master's thesis, um, and because I was writing about the impact of, of technology on African women, I really struggled with finding literature that specifically spoke to, to African and, and black women in particular. So I'd made a note uh, to, you know, and a commitment that if I were to ever contribute, uh, you know, a written body of work, I would focus um, on African women, firstly. But secondly, um, you know, in, in the decade, having been in corporate, just continuously having conversations with women, you know, with younger women, with women that are my peers, and, and with older women. And there are these themes that sort of kept on sticking. And I thought to myself, why isn't this archived, right? You have a conversation with the mentor, you have a conversation with a friend, and yet the solutions, you, you know, there isn't a guide, a quick guide somewhere you know, that one could pick up. So I thought, why not archive our experiences? Because at the end of the day, if we aren't uh, in control of, of the narrative about, about us as black women, then who are we leaving that responsibility to? Mm. No, I, I agree. I agree. So it was actually quite funny. So yesterday I was, I was, I was on radio with Ayabonga, and we were talking about the, the stats that came out last week on um, gender representation about how um, white males overall and black women are oftentimes the most underrepresented in management but overrepresented in jobs that require very little skill and are, I, I like to, without being mean, on the first chopping block when it comes to t retrenchment season time. And we were reflecting on terms of the fact that I, I get, I've also into the decade plus of working and you find that there's not a lot of people that look like you. And I don't think the picture has changed since I, I started working. I'm not sure how you feel. <laughs> I, I don't, it hasn't changed, the mix hasn't changed. It would have been great to hear what you and I, Ayabonga, were talking about. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you. And I think when there are glimmers of hope and glimmers of change, it, it's taken away as quickly as it does happen. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. That's that's what I've observed as well. And it, it, it just has you wondering as a younger Black female, right? It has you questioning. It has you wondering if you're going to get there. And if you do get there, what's going to happen? You know, why is the chopping block so, so you know, quick? What happens? You know, what, what what's the mystery with being brown female and being up there? 
so you're quite right uh, about that picture not not changing permanently yeah yeah it, it, i think it's one of those things um no we were just talking about the stats because we were, we were contemplating that often at times um media representatives tell people that black women are the most uh, highly prized from a from a be perspective from an ee perspective but when you reflect that from an economics leadership and organizational structure all of those good things are not seen and it seems to uh proliferate i work in finance so we have no women not black not white just as a concept <laughs> as, a, as a general as a general concept. as a general population <laughs> it's just that no it's just one of those things that i think it, it was quite important it's quite important so one of the things i noted in your book is your forward was done by dr judy jamini she also wrote a book i actually have it with me i'll show it to you when we're done um mm -hmm. How did that come around? I didn't know that you move in those circles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know, Sezibo, the thing about um, the three degrees of separation, it's always good when your people know people, right? Uh, yeah, so that's how that came about. <laughs> and I was just really grateful that she was so receptive, she was so warm. And I mean, mm. again, linked to her book, Equal But Different, um, and the other side of the story. She's really passionate about, um, you know, African storytelling. She's really passionate about the African child telling their story. So I was really grateful. And I mean, now she's the chair of the, the, the South African gender-based um, uh, fund. Uh, so I, I was really grateful that someone who, who gets the subject matter, who takes it seriously, who's done her journey. I mean, the story she shared uh, during my launch, I was surprised that you know as a after practicing medicine and her getting into business the pushback that she received you know the condescending treatment and 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 so it's always great when you know that intergenerational dialogue does happen because they they've been on these streets that we're currently on Yes. 
live in your own house. No, I don't think she knew they felt it, but she made it very abundantly clear that the only reason why you must go to school and work is so that you can't, you must not depend on a man. That's what oh, she was. Oh, my mom. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Well, let's talk about Mandela. Just tell us a bit about your child. Before <laughs> everything. Right, the human being, the the daughter, the recently a mother, uh, the sister, uh, the friend, and and I have to consider myself a Kamisha as well because I've put many friends in touch with other friends. This is being toxic. Um, but but yeah, that's who I am in a, in a nutshell. Born in in Durban, raised in Pretoria, studied in Cape Town, worked in Joburg, um, studied in the UK, um, in love with the arts, so reading, music. Films, um, yeah, that's who I am in a, in a nutshell. Mm. Um, yeah, that's good to know. Quick one, how did you do three years as an intern? How did that feel as a part to come three years as an intern? How did that come yeah. around? So like, <laughs> how, how, how for because what? <laughs> you mean g- getting into it or how? How did it all get through? How did it end up being three years? Oh, okay. Um, so what was cool, I mean, at the time, I thought it was cool. On the graduate program that I was on, you could move around in that particular organization. Um, so I literally started in one department, went to another department, <laughs> moved to another department, trying to find my feet and, and make my mind up about what I really wanted to do. So I was really grateful in that they allowed for that. You know, they allowed uh, you the room to, to find yourself. Um and I think, but within the, the organization itself, there was a lot of change, uh, you know, there was a lot of change in structure and leadership. So it's not, they didn't take a decisive stance that, okay, after a period, X, this is what we're going to do with, with this intake. So that's how it came about uh, being that long. Mm. What, did you, what do you think your biggest lesson that you learned during that whole period? Funny enough, not just during that period, you know, I think now one just reflects in totality, um, has been, it, it was the thing around leaving your, your space and your destiny in someone else's hands, right? You, you know, as an, as an intern, you sort of wait around, you're waiting to be given something to do, you're waiting, you know, to be made permanent, you're waiting, whereas that's not how the game works, right? Get in there knowing where you want to go and, and sort of start making that happen from early on. So that, that was definitely the biggest lesson there. Mm. No, I think a lot of that, uh, I think what's not said enough and it's what's not practiced enough in grad programs, which I think should be part of the orientation, is for interns to understand they're accountable for their own career journey. Because I think, yeah, because I think you just go in there and you're just floating. Like, there's no strategy. There's no, there's no plan. There's no strategy. There's no... There's something yeah. that happens, right? Because it, it feels like grade seven and the trick again, right? Because when you leave varsity, you think, oh, I'm the ish. And you get in and you're actually not. <laughs> so mm. it's that thing, I don't know what to call that thing. That thing happens again. Because you know when you leave grade seven and mm. you've been this big fish in a small pond and you get into grade eight and you minimize and you leave matric and, you, and you've been made to heroes in matric and you get into varsity and you're not. Again, you're a small fish in a big pond. So that cycle just keeps repeating itself, you know? Um, mm. Yeah. So what do you think, reflecting now in totality, what do you think you would have done differently? I, I 
think exactly what I had just mentioned before this is that I would have had a blueprint um, or a framework of ideally where I want to go. Um, you know, start taking things like make wishing seriously from the beginning. Who are the key decision makers? Do they know your name? Um, how do you make your work visible? All of those things that matter early on and not doing it later on in the game. Yeah. Mm. And um, mm, so wait, let's let's just I think I think that's very reflective because I think you you write in your book literally. I've actually circling it just so I remember. I've got that's why I chose. What page are you on so I can get I'm, to? Yeah. I'm on page fifty five. Okay, cool, yeah. So, um, so when I read the book, I made notes. So I, I keep all my books. I there's in all my books, especially if I'm interviewing someone, I, I write notes. I'm a note taker. Otherwise, I forget. <laughs> Literally. Writing so, is very important. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of, I like the fact that you ask questions in terms of your key drivers, in terms of what do you want to achieve in this role? Where do you see it going in one year's time, two years' time, three years' time? It, 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 it's, it's these questions, I think, that a lot of people, and I think, one of the uh, one of the my favorite one is are you challenging yourself are you learning are you growing so i think how would you advise someone who is in a role their work is visible but they're not growing they're not being challenged but they're getting all the perks I think from the many conversations that I'm having around the book and and some platforms shared with Karif what I'm learning is you know there's a repeated theme which is it all starts with the person in the task right so so you know if if a person doesn't aspire for that growth themselves right and i mean it can come in many different forms it can come in watching ted ted talk videos it can come in reading it can come in watching and listening to podcasts platforms such as yourself um and many others so because you need that investment uh, in self doesn't only happen you know in a learning and development formal environment uh you can seek that in in many ways i think when you start doing that and realizing that okay hang on i need to start with self then then i think another very real thing is is the networking and the networks right so then who you speak to i mean you know me being a creative speaking to a numbers person like yourself there's something there for me to learn and benefit right and vice versa so diversifying um who you you're spending time with and connecting with I think also makes uh, makes your experience and learning and growing richer, and not you know not being li- lean, linear, um, mm. and also being brave and being confident. I mean, sometimes I write to people that I don't even know because I admire something about them, and if I'm lucky, they do give me their time. You know, at other times they people reject you, and that's okay. You know, it's not meant to be in your path. Uh, but just being brave to to go for for you know what's aligned to what you're trying to do. Mm. Mm. I, I, I like the fact that you said you reach out because I'm queen. I will stalk you. I I, I have no shame in my stalking game. Like, but tell me something, say, were you always like that? Because with me, it's something I learned later again. No, no, no. I always like that. Even um, even my friends, a lot of my female friends, they come from. I think you're cool as a person, and I want to spend time with you. I will force myself on you. We'll become friends. I'm very good at it. I'm very good at this uh, and I literally pivoted that skill. That's what I learned because I just thought like, oh my God, you're smart, you're creative. I want to be around you. So I initiated a friendship. So I made the initial effort. So a lot of my friends, that's how exactly I became uh, my friends. It's like, so I'm very different. Like I, I'm a common publisher. I'm very different to her. You actually pick up, I'm actually quite, how is the question? So how? It's, 
and they so I pivoted that skill to um, to work where I made the decision that if I want something um, it's important that I'm the one who you know what reaches out does the effort and it's uh, sometimes I do get a no I do get a no and, and it hurts the no it hurts. hurts in the beginning in the beginning but you get to a point where you, you know my latest line now I'm just like rejection is redirection it's okay it's okay <laughs> So uh, it's, quite, it's quite funny. So I was reading about in terms of your role of mentorship. You mentioned mentor, mentorship and you were able to connect with Dr. Judy Damini. And how do you think the role of mentorship has evolved? I think in terms of you've got, you call, I like to call them the, the legends, the ones you see on TV, to local mentors in terms of your organization. How do you think that has helped you? And can you just give us a case study of a local mentor, not the HR? Icons. So most of the my, my bosses have gone on to become my mentors um, and, and my bosses, peers, right? And also my peers. So just because you may be my aged peer um, in a different space and I talk to you about stuff all the time and you're actually giving me valuable advice, you're actually mentoring me. There's a, a cousin of mine as well, Kutos Krenzana. Um, I consider him a mentor because whenever, we, I mean, he just has so much wisdom and so much stuff to share. I consider him one of my mentors as well. So, so with the local mentors, definitely people who who've been my bosses, um, you know, and and their their sort of peers and and people who are our, our age mates. Um, I, yeah, I don't think it necessarily always has to be the legends because they're the ones that are are time poor. But yeah, you know, people in your immediate uh, space can definitely be be your mentors, mm. and it's it's an incredible thing because I mean, time Snags, for me, time is you can't buy it, you can't. So when someone gives you that, you know, you need to cherish it and milk it for for what you can. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's very interesting because I think I think sometimes a lot of people underplay the role of mentors, the role mm. of mentors. And we're going to go same as similar, but just can you talk about your first time when you discovered your first sponsor? Mm. Not necessarily a mentor, but a sponsor. Because I think a mentor is a different goal, but I think we all know for black girls to thrive, we need sponsors. Yeah. So let's talk about sponsors. Yeah, again, something I learned really late in the game. Um, uh, I, I did find an, an executive sponsor, uh, a white female, and she was fantastic. So, and um, yeah, it, it was just absolutely fantastic. And I mean, the questions we'd connect as well, right? Because some people like to say, unlike a mentor, you don't have to have a relationship with your sponsor. With this particular uh, lady, we did have a, a relationship. And the questions that she asked, the probing, it was very, where do you want to be? What do you believe your strengths are? Where are you trying to go? Okay, let me go out and see what we, you know, what we can make happen. How long do you intend on being where you, you know, where you are for your next moves, etc. They, they almost like they co-sign your vision of where you're trying to go, and it's absolutely incredible. I mean, we cannot downplay what that does to to your confidence and you sharpening your vision, right? Um. As opposed to a mentor who sort of holds your hand, you know, guides you step by step, uh, a sponsor f forces you to also keep sharpening that vision. That's how I've experienced it. I love how you said that you must have a relationship. I'm sorry if we don't connect. Exactly. Exactly. How is it going to work? How is it going to work? No, it doesn't work. It's, it's quite interesting. 
do you believe your sponsorship experience would have been different if it had been a black woman though? Oh, you know what? Sometimes, so once we've put the title mentor or sponsor, I think it boils down to the personality. And I say that because because one of my or my mentors have been black women, black men, uh, you know, Indian, colored, etc. It has been different. I, I, once you you've put a label on on that particular person, I think it boils down to the personality. Um, because again, in the corporate environment, there's been good experiences of, of other older black women and there's been bad ones as well. So to some, uh, we can't put a blanket <laughs> experience. So yeah, yeah, it can boil down to the personality. No, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's personality vibes. I always say it's our chakras. <laughs> I'm a bad person. I can't fake energy. I, I can't. This is the one thing I have failed no, to no, learn. No. I, I failed to learn in corporate is how to hide. My boss used to, a story of my boss used to get so mad at me when we meet him and someone would be talking nonsense and he would be looking at my face. He's like, hide your face, your face, your face. Even though I would say nothing, but the face would just be like, and I, and I say nothing is like, no, people hide. That's the one skill I've never perfected in corporate. Yeah, never. No, no. Nah, I don't yeah. know how people do it. Um, mm. Let's chat about environments. Where do you think, in your circumstance, in your in your understanding, and based on your experience, what do you think is the optimal environment for a black woman to thrive in? Optimum environment for a black woman to thrive in. So, I would say it's one in which the leader, right, um, takes empowerment very seriously. Takes empowerment seriously. Takes learning and growth. Uh, seriously and understands the role right because especially in the times and in the day we're living in now right you need support more than anything right so a leader that also I mean you firstly need to understand your SWAT right but a leader that also understands your SWAT um, you know that you, they need to to ensure that you you're always or at, at maximum operating from a place of your strengths right and when you're out of your depth you know are they are they guiding you or coaching you to become better or are you just being thrown in the in the, in the deep end right um leaders that provide cover as well so that's sort of an envi an encouraging environment because i think as I, I i touch on a lot in the book you know sometimes as black women it just becomes contradictory when you you know you you've grown up sort of conservative sort of, you know, being the one, uh, you know, you know, almost like a, a you're read to nurture, you know, pseudo people pleaser. And now you, you get into environments where you need to have a voice and you need to be loud and you need to be this. And, and no one coaches you how to do that. So, you know, environments that just nurture the fact that there's a, there's an adjustment that needs to happen um, without you neglecting your feminine energy to become hyper-masculine. Mm. No, I agree with that. I don't think we, we're not men. We don't need to be men. Uh, there's no upside. <laughs> we're not men. <laughs> I don't. I'm the queen of. And one of the, I love how you say provide cover. Mm. I love how you provide cover because in instances where my bosses have provided cover, I've performed better because I've, it's made me more loyal. It's, it, it, and, it's, and, and I guess knowing that there's things you don't have to worry about. Yes, yeah. It may be more loyal. So one, and that's one of the questions. Do you do that for your staff members? Well, we add it. Let's pass the baton. 
one hundred percent. Um, and I've I've learned from my seniors as well, right? Like it's like a home, right? When you misbehave in in, in public, uh, get you know get the cover. But when you get home, that's when the real conversations happen. Definitely, there's no there's no joy in in putting other people down or watching other people you know not not flourish and not do great on your clock and you're there and you're part of that moment in history that does that serves no one any good mm. um i love it because i think there's something you said in your book by the way you said it's in page 103 which i think it's it's, it's, it's not something it's, it's only something i've experienced recently with my current job that says i check in on my team members as human beings first as members who belong to a community first mm-hmm. That's one of one of the quotes I actually like because it means that you um it's something what our MD said he's like we're people first the business will survive without us <laughs> he was like we're in a third way we are people first the business will survive he said for me my most important thing is that you guys will all make it out here alive anything else is literally cherry yes yes I love that I love so, that who taught you that. Because I think the community as person and then community, I think I love the words person and community, understanding that we're not islands as people. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's part just who I am and, and how I was raised, right? What what formed me. But it's also then the the leaders that I've encountered Snare, that are like that. And the people that I admire. So again, you called them the legend mentors. We will not name drop. But... But they they are very grounded, you know, humane people. So I've I've observed it in the people that I that I admire, and I mean, that's that's the type of leader I I, I strive to be. Mm. Um, quick one. The, you 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 quote something from Talent Culture. What are your thoughts on the concept of unconscious bias? <laughs> yeah. I find it interesting and I think I need to read a lot more about it because cuz I just call it cuz I would just call it laziness because I really <laughs> because I really <laughs> because I believe people are aware right yes people sl- slip into a lull of oh I'm just going to say whatever comes to my to, to mind first or whatever it's just it's laziness it's not being accountable for for your thoughts or reactions and 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 someone else needs to remind you and then oh i'm i'm conscious i i slipped into unconsciousness no you did not get hit by a bus and slip into unconsciousness (laughs) just being lazy about the energy you're carrying in in the world yeah that's my definition i've always thought it was stupid i thought it it's a way for people it's a way for people to say that i'm not a racist it's a literally a way for people to say, I'm not a racist, I'm not being sexist, when evidence is contrary to that. It's one of the conversations we touched on with Aya. <laughs> like, this is stupid. Like, we were like, this is stupid. Like, could you, you go around, I'll tell you why. There was a study, it was part of, part of our conversation was, there was a study done um, last year, last year uh, by a Harvard professor on the fact that black people are starting to earn more. And they were like, is it? in retaliation way. to things Sorry, in the US earning, earning less the word oh, less, oh. less, oh, less 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 yes less sorry less i said less less in terms of their peers it's, um so if you look at black median earnings um if black people's median earnings in the u.s it's actually declined mm. 
So is that they were like, is that in uh, retaliation to things like Black Lives Matter? Is it unconscious bias? And I was like, no, man, this is stupid. <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> like, uh, no, you may. Uh, I think I'll send you the link. I'll send you the link afterwards. It literally is. I was like, no, man, no, man, I guys. And the reason why I asked about unconscious bias because it's part of the reasons why we have such a large unemployment equity issues because we're in a stage where I think in our peer group where we match our white counterparts in skills, experience, and education. And yet we're still not in the room. And the reason why I talk about this is because if you look at universities, more black women, let's start with matric. Black women do the best in matric. They outdo the boys. I perform them in university. Outperform them in, in getting your internships, but stop at middle management and senior management. It's, what, what is that reverse thing? Because now you're not, you're not operating. I think people, there was a time when you were operating in a perspective of unicorns. They're no longer unicorns. They're quite a few. So why are we still perpetuating this employment cycle? That's where we were arguing like, yeah. So that's why I, I, think, I yeah. I think I quote those stats as well somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes you do. What, what then happens? What then happens? Yeah, where do we go? <laughs> what are your thoughts? So, what are your thoughts that happens at middle management? What do you think happens at middle management? I'm curious. Um, I have my own theory, but <laughs> I'd love to hear it. And simplistically, I would say a lot. If if that could be my response, I'd say a it's, lot. <laughs> what is a lot? Let's unpack the word a lot. It's a lot. And I think, I mean, age as, as well, right? So one could would assume that at middle management, you're at between the ages 25 and 30. I think some people are starting families. Um, you know, some people are furthering their studies, you know, full time. Other people are breaking down emotionally and mentally because of a lot that they've gone through and seen. I think there literally is a lot happening at that at that stage. Um, and I think to to see the shift, right, there really does need to be a, a deliberate, intentional, concerted effort uh, from, from decision makers to say, okay, you know, this, this layer that's here, when they get here, we actually need, uh, you know, X percentage of them to see it through to the next layer and the next layer. And I think if that doesn't happen, if the, the talent grooming and, and all of that stuff doesn't happen, um, you know, as a concerted effort, then we'll we'll keep seeing, um, you know, the you know people falling off. Uh, right. Sidebar: the the report you quoted was the PwC report. Sidebar: just in case people you know, that was the report quoted on gender. I was just looking for it. Right. I was like, no, I remember reading yes. this. I just need to find it. No, I think. Yeah. My theory is twofold. I think kids have an impact. I don't think marriage has an impact. I think kids are the other the tiny human the <laughs> tiny human i think it does because uh, you know the quote that says if you be careful who you choose as a life partner blah 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 because if you're not in that healthy situation it's gonna it's gonna affect you it's gonna affect you mentally emotionally and how you perform so i think it does matter i i agree no it was it was one thing um i remember starting not this job my previous job because uh, this job they didn't ask it. They asked me, when do I plan on getting married and having kids? They actually asked us in the interview, live. 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 What, what was the gender asking you? 
I was in an all-male panel. They actually asked me live. No, because they're saying that, no, this job takes, um, um, so I used to work in mm, corporate finance. Corporate finance has very long, long hours. So there's a reason why there are very few women who, who in corporate finance teams who work in corporate finance simply because the hours you put in do not allow for a sustainable relationship. That may be explained why I'm single, but majority of women, there's no woman who's, I do not know a single woman who works in corporate finance that is married with kids. They're in relationships, but married with kids, no. The men are, don't worry, the men are, don't worry, don't worry, the other gender, don't worry them. Very much so. Very much so. So uh, the reason that's also one of the reasons why I think those it's part of the a lot. But I also think my theory, besides the a lot the kids, I think at that age, uh, our ability to network is is what differentiates you. So when you're starting your career, it's more technically based. Uh, the social aspects, the networking aspects, um, then become more important. So things like things that people would not think to be a part of. Like, mm. I was told to play golf. I do not know mm. to say how to play golf. I don't want mm. to learn. I literally had my boss pay for my lesson at uh, the pro golf at Woodmead, paid for my mm. lesson, borrowed me clubs. I found that whole sport an entirely boring concept. And I, was, <laughs> I, just, I didn't enjoy it. I used to say, guys, mm. I will drink with you. That is my yeah. my contribution. That's your sports. That's your sports. <laughs> and then um, the reason I'm giving this example, and then I discovered a lot of corporates run, mm. running like in Rosebank. You see the runners in oh, Rosebank. Yes, yes, like, those running clubs. Yes. Yes, I'm a member of those running clubs. You know that I found work because it's something I enjoyed. But I realized that what people forget is what you need to do. So it's not enough. Um, that you are present at work, your, your, your talents are being seen. It's other, how people trust you is based on, that's why I always believe you need to have a connection with your sponsor because how people trust you is what you do outside of your daily, daily tasks. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the a lot is that I think women um, tend to shy away from the social. Because mm -hmm. I, I remember when I, I went to um, Dealmaker Awards, so every year corporate investment banking has a, um, an award show called um, Dealmakers. I literally was left with the only girl. I was having the ex goes from the green bank, the red bank. <laughs> you were passing the tequila. I was like, yes, this is, I can get involved. <laughs> yes, yes, I can get involved. In this. And I literally was the only girl. Wow. And no, 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 wow. usually, no, it's because I believe in the social. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're and, comfortable uh, there. You're comfortable there. And I think that's part of the a lot that happens is that people forget um, that as much as people say, like to say, your colleagues are not your friends. Your boss is not your friend. Mm -hmm. They're not your friends, but they spend more time with you than anyone else in your life. Yeah. So you need to actually extend that. Like, a little. like each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't work with people I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's also also how I got into this role. I had no experience for this role. My boss hired me because yeah, I think he genuinely liked me as a person. Yeah. He's like, like Shane Bettuna. He's the one Shane Bettuna. <laughs> like, I, I really, like, I, I genuinely, I was like, you're so lucky. Yeah. I, I literally told him, I was like, I have no experience in this, but I can learn fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm done with this. What I was doing previously it was not my chakras are not aligned for it. It's not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also quite important. What I like about your 
your your in your your book. I think there's a part in which you have you've told people these stories. How did you meet some of these people? Like we've got Rendani, we've got Nkule, or all of them Zantile. All of disclaimer, them. Disclaimer: those are those aren't those aren't their real names. Disclaimer. I thought as much. I was about to yeah. say there was just too much sharing going on. You know, corporate <laughs> these days. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Not, those, those are not their real names. We, yeah, but, we but, abide by we abide by Poppy. Yeah. A Poppy, guys. Poppy. So, how did you think those experiences? Because when they were telling their stories, it was slightly different to yours. Everyone was seems to be at a crossroads. Yeah, yeah. It was fascinating. I mean, because in the main, I think there there were a lot of similarities, right? Um, mm. There was a sort of denseness, <laughs> a heaviness to to the many stories that were shared. But an, another common theme was a naivety, right? Like everyone went into their roles, sort of, you know, bright eyes, bushy, bushy hair tails. And then, you know, that, that sort of starts diminishing um, this thing about not feeling support, you know, having a, a supportive, empowering, encouraging environment. And, and it was really interesting. Um, I don't remember if it was Zandile's story where she starts off as a marketer and then pivots mm. um, to become an investment banker um, as well. Mm. And how when her environment changed, because she came from an environment where she wasn't supported, there was a lot of gossip and, and, and she goes into an environment where these, these white male bosses are, are mentoring her, sponsoring her, you know, and invested in her and how she just flourishes, um, you know? So, so it was just incredible to see, because I think that's what's important. You know, if there's a young person starting out in corporate or thinking about coming into corporate is that, you know, they, these, very different, uh, you know, parts and experiences you you can and may experience. Um, but again, right, the the responsibility, the onus in the beginning, and then make sure that you start from the outside, uh, pulling in once you've done the inside artwork. Um, yeah, it was it was incredible speaking to all of them, and 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 and, and it was important, uh, Snare, because it's it's not just a Linda story or narrative, right? It's just it's to say here we all are in in our you know different uh, shades of brownness and and this is these are experiences mm. i love how you say we're all naive all right guys i'm not sure if it's naivety clownness like i don't know how it happens like i always say for someone as intelligent as i am my level of naivety shocks me every time it, like, it shocks me to see like this i'm like wow wow <laughs> no no i actually joke about it but it's actually true deep down it shocks me i'm always shocked how blind I am, and then I'm like, I will. Yeah. When? When did that happen? Yeah. When did that happen? Because you realize, I think it's the realization that you realize that people are playing a game, and when you're just, yeah, part of it. Yeah. You just, you're just here. You're not engaging. You're not. Um, I think one of the the the, the realities that we we are, naivety. It's like, I don't know what the other kids drink at school, but I think the naivety. At, I, we are deep. No, I, 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 okay. Let me not say the word naivety. Let's say the word trusting, because mm. that's where naivety is sourced from in terms of trusting mm. the people around you, trusting the intentions of those around you. Mm. Mm. So, mm. so now that we're at the end of the book, sort of coming full circle, full circle. What is the one thing that you realize? Your, what's the one view that changed as you were writing the book? 
no. It didn't it it's not a view that's changed, but it's a hard answer that is is just to say just like life it's it's something that I accepted, Snesipo, which is just like life, there's 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 good and there's bad. Um the experience will forever be oscillating, right? Um there's good days, there's bad days, there's highs, there's it's just a part of it. Um because I know, I mean, just reflecting on on that toxic workplace um chapter. to to other chapters later is oh you needed to go through that and when you were going through that it's not that you know your growth was stunted because you did turn the pain into purpose right um it forced you to be more focused and and whatever in the work like to to you know so it's just accepting the the up and downness of it all but never losing sight of who you becoming your vision all of that stuff hmm Okay, no, that's very nice. So since launching the book, uh, Miss Thing, you're very big on Instagram. Like, like I see you doing your Insta lives with Nyaki. You know, shout out to her. You know, I love her. Yeah, love her. She's also part of our bursary program. Unfortunately, Ellen Grace here. Oh, Ellen Grace here. It's like you guys are a syndicate, yeah. No, we are a syndicate. So so we are a syndicate. Like yeah, you're now doing this whole Insta story, the Black Gold Guide. I've been seeing you interviewing people. Like, how do you think that has evolved? Because I think you've been. What I like is that you're building a little community of people like you. Yeah, also, syndicate. Can't wait to have you on, man. If you accept the 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 offer, yes, coming to you right now. <laughs> yes, I will be on your Insta story. No, I thought it was actually very good because I like the. I like the different people that you have been featuring. I only saw because of Nyaki and I know her and yeah, the work that yeah. she does in terms of coaching, in terms of coaching and mm-hmm. the work she's very much involved in in terms of coaching. But I also like the fact that the different people you have interviewed, um, different age brackets, different yeah. life stories, and I'm a believer that we need to stop preaching black woman excellence. We need to be must be different, like this, like. <laughs> yeah. So they're colorful. Uh, they're colorful. I actually hate the term black girl. Black girl magic. I really hate it with all my heart. With all my heart. Like all my heart. You'll never see me use that term because I hate it that much. I actually. I don't know. No, I like. It was the, necessary. It was necessary. I mean, it's like this thing of uh, the Africa rising narrative. Like, for how long are we going to be rising for? But I think these terms have have they they sell by dates, right? But they they serve a purpose in in a moment in history. Keyword moment. We passed that moment. We passed that moment now. Let's. <laughs> we passed. That. No shame between. I like the way I hate that. Story. No, and I'm very. No, no, because because what I did because I always with the with the idea is that it 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 attributes worthiness to achievement instead of worthiness of presence. That's what I hate about the term. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am deep every now and then. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's a very no, it's a qualifier. It's a qualified yeah. attribute, yeah. and I I don't like yeah. that. I don't want people to qualify for worthiness. Yeah. People are born worthy, and it's it's one of those things where I think that people are born worthy. It's by the way, I used to love the term. I used to love the term, and then I started thinking about it in terms of who is excluding. Because as my journey has moved on, um. In my corporate journey, now that I I have to manage people and I now want to grow, God, management. 
management. <laughs> it's made me realize that my approach needs to be more inclusive because it's about getting people to buy into the vision of your 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 role, your team, and then your organization. Because and I and I love how you said that where black women need to thrive is leadership. And I think we must never, ever, 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 ever. Let me just say that out loud again. Ever, ever. For the people in the back. For the people yeah. in the back of the church. Never exclude leadership. Those leading organizations away from their lack of unwillingness to change the demographics because it, ultimately it comes from the top. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that leadership sets the tone. Because if you say empowerment is important, people and they don't, people, your senior, your the staff below you don't see that in action. They, you are inadvertently telling them it's not important to you. If you don't make it visible, if leaders don't make it visible, if leaders don't, and for me, it needs, it's not, it doesn't come from HR, this comes from a technical function area. If you're in a team where, like I would make the example, there's this other team uh, from one of the other banks where, you're in a team, there are no women in this team, and you're proud and you're happy with yourself. And you don't see anything wrong with that. It has been very, very difficult for women then to enter the team and you getting um, noted by HR, but there's no ramification for this by anyone in senior leadership. And you don't see anything wrong with that. It's for me, it perpetuates. It mm -hmm. perpetuates mm -hmm. the lack, that's why a lack of transformation, because if it doesn't start from leadership, if it's not echoed in leadership as something that is part of the greater good, because I think, and I, what I hate, one of the things, the reason why I think black women, some part of like women-led companies where women are majority across all industries tend to do better. The stats are there, but I also think it's also because they know that they can't fail. They're there, but they know they can't fail. It's literally, you have to make it work because otherwise they ain't going to hire nobody. Mm, and you're never going to hear the end of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what, so now that we've created the community, what's next for you? You've become a mommy. <laughs> so much, so much. No, yeah, I don't know. The, the future is seeming bright. Maybe another book. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'm just going, I'm going with the flow, you know, looking, gearing up to getting back to work as well. Um, you know, after being on maternity leave and doing book promo, um, you know, I've been very tired during this process as well, because the man, it, it's just been a whole lot of newness, right? I mean, motherhood's no joke and, and also birthing a, a book and trying to have it stand on its feet. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot of newness, um, but yeah, the future see the future seems bright, but let's see where it goes. Mm. In closing, just one question because I actually thought about this right now. Thoughts on SA publishing for new authors? What has been your experience? <laughs> I thought about it now. I, I I remember that I thought about it now. It just hit me now. But the thing is, but with that question we're assuming I have insights on what it's like to be published somewhere else in the world, right? No, but I will say the, the reason why I even went the, the, the publishing and not self-publishing route was it's because I wanted someone who's experienced in that field to, to handle it. Um, they, they, you know, it has its pros and its cons. 
um it's been a it's been a learning you know journey but the, the comfort came in i'm i'm partnering with people that are that, that are experts and i mean if you speak to umbali she'll tell you partnering being the operative word you can't just you know give it all to them and, and sit back and and wait for things to happen i was very involved um in what happens what's going to happen what is it going to look like do this don't do that use that don't use that so so partnering is is the keyword Mm, I love the way that you use partnering. I love that you use partnering. And yeah, so I think that, yeah, any last words? Any last words? I enjoyed your book. I, I enjoyed it. I like the fact that it's quick to read. It's easy to read. Yeah. Perhaps, I, yeah. yeah, it's easy to read. It's an easy read. It's an easy read. That's very important. And it's short. So I could have, I got yeah. it done quite quickly. I got it done quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. I think no, including yourself. Let's just get into the habit of of leaving guides of 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 you know sharing uh, our very, many very different experiences of documenting stuff. Um because I think that's how and when progress happens. Um is when people can be like, "Oh yes, you know, at this point in history this is what's happening." Because if it isn't there then that's how cycles repeat, right? Um if people can't decide that they're putting a definite end to it, or bring an awareness right um to everyone else who may have been un- having an unconscious bias towards whatever it is you're trying to raise so i think we just need to get into the habit of doing this and i think to what you touched on with with instagram i'm saying to another friend um i think the brand would would evolve to just becoming a black girl's guide right so whether we're talking about being a parent or or you know being you know being whatever else a sportswoman or whatever yeah and not just limited to corporate because there's lots of conversations we need to have as as black women. No, I completely agree. Um I'm a believer in we're taking over the world slowly syndicate by syndicate. I'm a believer in the mafia principle of take all. I really am. Is it the mafia or is God a woman and black? <laughs> yeah, I'm a believer take everything, take everything. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me on my Zoom recording. I would have loved to do this in person, but you know, isn't it a third wave? Yeah, cuz I I think law abiding citizens. Yeah. <laughs> All right then. Thank you so much. I'm just going to pause the recording now. We're done. Thank you. Um